Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Build Value by Choice podcast show. I am your host, Nana Bonsu. Today's topic is about the current tax law changes that have been discussed in Congress and what it means to the business owner's decision uh, when it comes to a buy-sell transaction from a certified professional accountant or CPA's perspective. My guest today is Martha Sullivan. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time to um, give a background of Martha. Uh, Martha is a one-time information systems consultant turned and turned her most brilliant act of rebellion into a career as a certified professional accountant, as a chief financial officer, a chief operating officer, and a profit and growth strategist where she consulted to hundreds of clients and colleagues over the past three decades. Currently, Martha Sullivan is the president of Providence Hill Consultant LLC, which she founded with only one purpose, to help business owners build, buy, and sell strong, profitable companies that are attractive enough for someone to want to buy it when the owner decides to chase their next adventure. Her mantra is that it's not just a transaction at that point. It's a transformation. Welcome to the show, Martha. Thank you so much, Nana. It's a pleasure to be here today. Very, very much looking forward to our conversation. So thank yeah. you. Oh, wonderful. Now, I saw this uh, pretty brutal, one of the events, I mean, there's always events that are going on business owners' lives. And one of the things that they, that's going on that they need to pay attention to, one of the macroeconomic events is some of these tax policy changes, um, mm-hmm. conversations that are going on in Congress. And we want to make sure that our audience know what's going on so they can make the right decisions. And I saw a survey that was sponsored by uh, Wall Street giant Goldman Sachs. It was conducted about four months ago, where it said that only 13% of small business owners view these policy com- uh, policy change conversations as having a positive impact on their business. So clearly, more than 80% of small business owners view it negatively. What do you suggest uh, some of the opportunities and, and some of the threats to small businesses, as you see it? Well, the, the tax um, law changes are pretty complex and, and deep, and they're going to have implications on um, personal income as well as, as business income. And one of the, the two in particular that um, have, have caught a lot of attention have, have to do with the capital gains rate changes, as well as changes to the estate tax um, unified uh, exemption for the amount that um, it, it falls outside of the estate tax rules. Presently, that is um, a little over 11 million per person. If you're married and couple, that goes up to 22 million. That um, should you pass away, your estate would not ha- would be able to exclude that. And that was already scheduled to sunset in 2025, but the new legislation is um, accelerating that back to um, the the prior rates um, faster. It would be as of the end of um, this year, I think was, and the reason why I'm bobbling is because there's two different dates that have been, um, thrown around in the legislation. The estate tax change, I believe is at the end of the year, December 31. The other, um, change that's really catching a lot of business owners, especially those that have been thinking about transitioning their business, 
um, is around uh, the capital gains rate. And capital gains rates going up to uh, a max of north of 25% as opposed to, and then you layer in other um, Medicare components. So it gets really uh, much more um, expensive from a taxation standpoint on capital gains where the max is 20% now. Um, so that's got a lot of business owners, particularly those thinking about transitioning ownership, really thinking about what do I do? How do I um, navigate those? And then there's a myriad of other aspects of the tax bill that are going to, to influence businesses as well as individuals. Wonderful. So one of the things, I mean, so uh, since the estate, you know, the proposed estate tax changes are the one that I seem to, um, it's going to be uh, accelerated or, you know, move closer. So I want to kind of um, tackle that. So mm -hmm. I assume that this means that business owners need to be talking to the estate planners uh, immediately. Um, and and if the estate planners, if they have one and the estate planner is not talking to them about the tax implications, uh, perhaps that's, that's an issue. What are some of the things that, you know, what are some of the things that some of the conversations or questions that, you know, you think a business owner should be asking the uh, estate tax you know, planners or attorneys? Um, and, uh, and, um, and what are some of the tools and um, resources that you think are, may, are going to be obsolete as a result? Well, I don't know that the tools are going to be obsolete per se. I think what it does, is, you know, especially with the estate tax changes, you know, if it, it's going from 22 million back down to a much lower level, I think it, I, don't quote me, I don't remember what the lower level is, but it's significantly lower um, down into the, the um, I think maybe 10 on a 10 or 11 on a combined married basis. Um, but what that does is that makes um, estate tax a real issue for people that um, have, um, you know, estate values that are higher than say 10 million, where before it was higher than 22 million. And, and so if you don't have a conversation, you don't have an estate planner, um, I don't care what your wealth um, levels are. If you don't have an estate planner and an estate attorney, you don't have the estate documents in place, please do it as a gift to your family and get that conversation going. That's important regardless of your, your wealth profile. But if you um, have a plan, but you haven't updated it in a long time, it, it's an important conversation to have on a regular regular basis. Now, the, the question that, that I've um, been fielding with my clients, um, particularly the family business clients that I work with, I had one come to me and say, well, I've been thinking about gifting to um, my son. My daughters already have um, shares of the business. I think he I think he's ready, but I'm not sure. Um, should I gift him shares right away, like now, before the end of the year, so that that I'm taking advantage of this exemption? Because he, this business owner, is fortunate enough to where this is an issue, and um, we talked. We really paused and talked through it, and 
there were fair, there were some signals that were going off in my mind that said, you know what, that might be the right move from an estate tax perspective, but it is absolutely the wrong move from a fam- family ownership perspective, from a, the the business management perspective. It, it, it that uh, in that particular family situation. The, the adult child that would be coming into ownership has very different value sets and attitudes around money than the others that are active in the business. The new owner would remain inactive and wouldn't be active in the business. So all of a sudden you're introducing all these different dynamics into the ownership and the management and the family in the name of saving taxes. And to me, that, that may sound um, fairly contrarian to, to individuals that, oh, my gosh, you have to avoid taxes. You have to avoid taxes. Well, sometimes that may, you know, you're letting the, the tail wag the dog. And I think it's prudent to, to pause and think about, you know, what's the bigger picture? What are the long-term implications? Yeah. Does it suck to pay taxes? Absolutely, it sucks to pay taxes if you could have avoided it, but it sucks worse if your business um, and your family go sideways because of of um, various clashes or reasons. That's a very interesting and uh, poignant thing that you just you just raised. And one of the things that raises for me is the need for business owners to have a a value or exit plan advisor or somebody who has a holistic view, because if the business owner just goes to their tax accountant or their tax lawyer, they're going to be in like their own little turf and that's all they're going to see, right? How yeah, can I save more taxes? They'll, yeah, that's going to be their primary uh, motivator. Um, you know, they, they may understand that there are these other issues kind of involved, but their, you know, their charge for their client is to give them sound tax advice not to necessarily look at the bigger picture. And quite frankly, the tax um, advisors may not be aware or even have the, um, the training and experience to say, okay, let's, let's take a time out here for a moment and, and look at that bigger picture. They may not even know that there's this family dynamic going on that um, you know, they could be rushing um, the the business owner to add poison to the punch, and that's you know that's an unintended consequence. But it can happen when the wrong motives are driving the bus. Right. So that that is, the analogy that I can think of is uh, a primary care physician. Like, who's the family doctor? Who's the you know? Who is the business doctor? Because you want to go to your primary care physician and have them refer you to the specialist, right? To the neurosurgeon or to the mm-hmm. anesthesiologist. So it sounds to me that the business owners, instead of maybe rushing to their tax accountant, tax attorney, or the estate planner, maybe they should go to their uh, business strategist or business advisor first. Um, is that is that a good analogy or? I think that I think that's a good analogy. I think it's important for business owners to have their um, their a team of advisors. You know the the role that I serve. Yes, I'm a CPA, but my um, I'm act I'm a very as you said in the introduction. I'm I'm kind of a, a 
different uh, bear. And I got my CPA out of an act of rebellion after being told, you can't do that. You're not a CPA. Okay, well, I took care of that. Um, but but ultimately, my, the work that I do is helping business owners that are thinking about uh, the growth and long-term exit strategy that they have for their company thinking about all those pictures, thinking about how do I balance my personal ob objectives and goals, what I want to achieve with my life, my personal financial goals, and my business goals, and how does that all fit together within a plan? And if, um, you know, if they've got the time and bandwidth to work on growing the value before they exit the business, that's ideal. But having, yes, I think going to somebody who has that broader picture um, and understands the, the motivation is very helpful. And then you you work with that person to bring other key members of the team to the table. And the owner basically charges the team to go run the place. I, you know, some people call it, you know, oh, the, the value growth advisor or the exit planner is the quarterback. Well, I don't really like the football analogy. I really um, liken it more to um, a basketball team. And there might be the guy that is, is running, you know, running the ball into the, the play, but, the play moves dynamically and ultimately, you know, it's, it's the various team members that make the play work um, or not. And that's, that's my analogy in terms of having an advisory team. Now, a, a business owner may have like a board of advisors, but they may not have a, the person with this kind of skill set, right? The multifaceted, because they may have like a CPU on there, um, on their staff, on their advisory board or yep. um, board of directors. Uh, they may have an attorney and, and whatnot, but they may just have, it's just a bunch of different viewpoints that are sitting there and just coming to the table. And that could end up either confusing the owner or the owner just, may just kind of delegate it to one of their management team. Because usually like a board of directors, they have like an audit committee and they have like an IT committee yep. and yep. that kind of thing. So because what I'm trying to drive at is is the is the gap that that is there for the um, the what is the exit plan somebody with that skill set or that training yep. to be if you don't have an advisory board if you have a board of directors but not an advisory board you need to have that a person with that kind of training background or skill set in there and how how do they go and find those, those kind of caliber of people to add to the advisory board or to add to your board of directors. You know, most companies, at least most of the companies in the middle market, lower middle market, don't have boards of advisors or boards of directors. They do rely on their their pool of advisors. And very often, the CPA is um, considered to be one of their most trusted advisor. I've spent years in CPA firm environments. And um, what, I, what I can um, speak to is... Networking, I think, is the, the important thing for the business owner to do and talking to their various advisors and learning more about um, the concept of, of exit planning, the concept of what an exit planner does. Um, because as, as you know, 
um, you know, as a certified exit planning advisor, the what I'm certified in is this holistic view. And, um, you know, you can go to the exit planning institute and look for, for a certified exit planning uh, advisor in your area and network within your advisory community to see who knows who. Uh, wealth advisors are also um, very helpful in connecting you with other advisors that can help you with this type of conversation is I, I found as well. Um, there are a lot of wealth advisors that have gone through the, um, the Certified Exit Planning Advisor, the SEPA program, and they also have that holistic perspective, which is, I think, outstanding um, because I, that's really where the conversation should start in terms of the fan financial plan and what do you need out of the business so you can live happily ever after as opposed to sharing kibble in the kid's basement, as I right. refer to it as. Yeah. And then there's also there are other also like uh, certified value builder advisors. Yes, those have those networks. Um, yep. The what are some of the who are some of the people and what are some of the things that business owners should be paying attention to when it comes to these tax law changes that are being discussed? So the other uh, piece of it, we talked about the estate piece. We didn't talk about the capital gains uh, piece of it, and um, that's another reason why. Um, business owners are, are thinking seriously about trying to get a deal done um, by the end of the year. And um, I'm going to uh, kind of go contrarian again here and basically say, take a deep breath and just pause here. Um, you know, as we're, we're recording this, we are um, in the middle of October if you don't have a deal on the table, you don't have an, a bona fide offer that's already in negotiations and, and potentially due diligence by now, trying to pull together a sale transaction to avoid the capital gains tax is a, a fool's journey in, in my experience and opinion, because the average for time for a transaction to come together is nine months. The negotiation, making sure that you're courting the best um, uh, prospective buyers, getting the best deal, um, that it is meeting your objectives, all of those things, it takes time and negotiation takes time. We're two and a half months away from the end of the year. If you don't have your ducks in a row already in the pond and swimming, you're not going to have a good, good outcome. And the other uh, wild card in this is that the proposed legislation currently uh, ties the, the capital gains changes to the date of the law's introduction into the conversation, which was September 13th. So you could haul tail to get a deal done that may not be optimal by 1231 and it not make a hill of beans a difference. You could still potentially be um, subject to the higher capital gains rate. So that's why I think it's a fool's journey. Don't, again, don't let the tail wag the dog. Yeah, good advice. I'm going to switch a little bit since you, you, you said discussing about some of the exit stuff. According to your yeah. own uh, exit planning institute, since you're the um, 
Are you still the president of the uh, of the Wisconsin chapter of the Exoplanet Institute? I'm um, I'm the co- I am one of the co-founders. Um, I was the president for three years, and um, I'm now the the um, shall we say the president emeritus, right. um, the immediate past president. Um, but I'm still on the leadership team. It's it's an organization that's near and dear to my heart. Right. And one of the surveys that your organization did found out that was um, so only 17 percent, um, because as part of the due diligence that you had alluded to, um, if you haven't done, if business owners haven't done their due diligence uh, by now, it's, it's not worth trying to make a deal by year's end because you know, there's just not enough time. Only 17 percent have gotten a business valuation done in the last two years. Can you um, can you share with us what some of the reasons are that makes uh, so few owners uh, get valuation on a regular basis? Valuations can be expensive, um, depending on what kind of valuation you get. Valuations are also, I'm certified in business valuation, so um, I can speak to some of the the technical aspects of it. When you get a valuation done, it is a certified valuation, I should say. It is done for a specific purpose. And that purpose might be for estate and gifting uh, plans that you have. If you're going to gift shares to the next generation, it could be because you want to know what what's going on in the market, kind of like what Zillow provides for our home. So you want to market Um, approach to understand what the value is. Maybe you're in a a disagreement or a divorce. And when that is the case, state law um, specifies what specific techniques need to be used in arriving at the value. Um, Whether you are selling the whole company or a minority share, that influences it. So depending on the purpose, I might, if I got divorced, the value of my business under the divorce approach may be very different from what I would get on the market. And so it can be expensive and not multi-purpose. So I think that is one of the reasons. I think the other reason is um, business owners have a limited appreciation about how you how valuation really works when it comes time to sell your business. Um, it, it, there are a lot of mechanics that go into it. And um, you know, the, the value of your business, it, it, I like to say the value of your business isn't what you think. And what I'm really saying there is it's not what you think. It's what the other guy thinks when they want to buy it. And if, as, the biz, as I've found as business owners have stepped into that, um, that realm and really learned what an investor or what a buyer looks at when they are valuing business. Those are the ones that get it the most. Most business owners are so absorbed in the day-to-day operation of their business and the actual value needing that liquidity event when they sell the business that's a can that's easy to kick down the road. So you don't think about it. But um, you and I both know that um, if we're only focused on income, we might have lots of income while we own the business, but at the end of the road, it may not have any value whatsoever. And that is shocking to people. 
Um, but I, I, I think it's a, it's an awareness issue when it all comes down to it. Um, and I, I've heard way too many business owners say, well, my business is worth X. And well, why is it worth X? Well, because that's what I need. Time out Green Bay. I'm from Wisconsin, so I can say that. Time out Green Bay. That's not how it works. It, it, it absolutely is not how it works. And the, the more business owners expand their understanding of how it works, I think the more they will get that valuation information and, and use it um, not only for their long-term planning, but influencing how they run their business today. Yeah, because 80%, one of the most shocking statistics is that 80% of business, and then again, according to Exit Planning Institute survey, 80% of businesses don't close when, when it comes time to whether they want to sell or you know, yes. transfer it somehow. Yes. That is, and that's a heartbreaking statistic. But yes, 20, only 20% of businesses are saleable, are transferable, um, and uh, ultimately, and or ultimately close. Now, you know, there's two factors there. One is, is the transferability. Can somebody else step into the owner's shoes and run it as well, if not better than the other? Then the, uh, and then the other factor that often plays into that dismal close um, statistic is um, the expectations of the business owners. Uh, business owners have a tendency to overinflate what they think the value of, of their companies are. That's why getting that data point is so helpful because it, it grounds you in, oh, okay, this is how the market looks at it. This is how somebody else would look at it. Um, and so a lot of times it comes down to they think that, that they're not getting a fair price. And so they, they blow up the deal. Or, you know, there are other, other factors that blow up deals as well, but those are some of the critical ones. What should be the decision-making process owners take when it comes to considering the impact of any tax law changes, whether the one being discussed or any future tax law, tax law changes that are proposed? I, I think, you know, the, the big uh, takeaway for that, uh, from my perspective, is having good advisors making sure you are talking to your advisors and thinking through the various scenarios and situations that you're in. Um, if, if you've been working with a tax advisor and you never talk to them, they never do tax planning with you, you never really get a sense of what's going on, it may be time to shop for a different one. Um, and that can be hard. It's not, an, I don't say that lightly. I appreciate it. But there's, there's a lot of value to having the right people in, um, in your corner. Yeah. Because, I mean, for instance, they may be using the, you know, they may have the title of tax advisor, but they may just only be doing tax returns. That's not an, necessarily an advisor, right? That's just more for a technician. Yes. And having been in, in a number of CPA firms over the course of my career, you, know, you have the individuals that are, are preparing the returns and doing the, the review of them. And, and in larger firms or even mid-sized firms, they very often have tax specialists backing them up. So when a particular issue comes up, 
they can say, oh, okay, well, we have a trust and it's set up like this. And what does the tax law mean now? Well, they've got another um, tax guru behind the scenes who's because they're a specialist and can do research really well. They're not preparing the, the returns, but they're available to the others that are. That's the value of being in a, working with a mid-sized firm. If you're, work, if you're with a smaller firm, they may not have those resources. Sure. One, one final question or one final thing I wanted to discuss. One of the things that, for instance, in the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, one of the ways that these good to great companies um, uh, execute or implement um, their good to great strategies is through a board of advisors. And we, we talk about a board of advisors, yep. but it, it comes down to the meetings. So there's a certain cadence to it. Mm-hmm. And in order for all these people to be able to come together for the sole purpose of um, diagnosing and improving the business and helping the business want to make good decisions, there needs to be some kind of a forum. Um, but if the business owner, they may have a tax advisor and they may have a CPA advisor, or whatever, but they may be talking to them separately. The, the person may just say, look, I have a tax advisor. Yep, I have this. I checked all these boxes, but they're talking to them separately as opposed to convening all of them together on a regular basis, whether a monthly basis or quarterly basis, or whatever that, that is. Um, that needs to happen if the if the company needs to, you know, it's going to go from good to great. What is you know what are, what are some of the things that you know business owners can do? What are some of the things that they can do like right after this if they don't have that in place already? First, they need to find what is a certified availability advisor or extra plan advisor who will help convene all of these different advisors together. Yeah. Um, how how would you um, recommend the business owners go about doing it? I, I think um, if first and foremost, the business owner wants to be um, clear within their own mind what, what she's looking for out of this group and what um, her marching orders might be to this group. I think the business owner also needs to think about, you know, how long have I had the relationship with this person? Have, have we been... Um, it, it been together, if you will, for a long time. And, you know, for the business owner, is he thinking long-term strategy? Is he thinking short-term strategy? So they need to be clear on what their goals and objectives are first and foremost. They may or may not be ready to go to the level of establishing a board of advisors or a board of directors, because sometimes it feels like um, I am a huge proponent of it. So this is not giving business owners an out, but it, there's fear that they'll be losing control if they they have a board of advisors or a board of directors. Now, a board of advisors has no control. A board of directors has fiduciary responsibility. So there is a difference. But um, if you're just dipping your toe in the water, just start talking to the advisors that you have. And first and foremost, make sure that they are open to collaborating with other advisors, that they have collaborated with other advisors. Um, And in our, here's an example. So when um, I was with a larger CPA firm, we, um, we did the, the exit, excuse me, the exit planning. Uh, They did some, some, 
investment banking and in selling the actual businesses, taking them to market. We had a wealth management division. We had the tax accountants. We had the business accounting. We we were by design um, becoming a one-stop shop. So if somebody else, um, you know, had didn't were using us for tax but had other advisors, a different wealth advisor that they wanted to work with, that other wealth advisor was very uncomfortable working with that CPA because they were fearful that, you know, we as the CPAs might try to poach them to come in under our wealth management. And that that's not how we worked but it's an, it's an understandable fear. So I think business owners really need to, to have a sense that the people on their team have that spirit of collaboration, have that understanding about who owns what part of what relationship. And secondly, and just as importantly, that they're competent. And that also goes back to the objectives. If your objective is to get the business ready for sale and to take it to market, you want to make sure that the attorneys at the table, and yes, attorneys, are the estate planner and somebody who's done transactions. If you're not ready to go to market, you probably don't need the transaction attorney there. But you have to be, I mean, it's, I'm babbling, I apologize, but that's, it, it's more complex but build a team that you trust. Um, and if you're not ready to do it as a board of advisors, that's okay. Just call your posse together once a quarter and say, hey guys, here are the projects that I want us to work on these, these days. And no attorney, you don't have anything to do, but I want you to be aware of what's going on. That kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it makes sense to our audience. I think yeah. they, they, to, you know, just to summarize, the bottom line is the best way to, the best process is to convene the board of advisors and yeah. then put on as part of the agenda item, hey, there's this, there's this event that's happening or about to happen. This One is the tax law change. What does this mean to me from your various, you know, uh, expertise, perspectives? perspectives. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of go from there, right? And then kind of arrive at a holistic, optimal approach for the business, which means whatever strategy that you had in mind at the beginning of the year, beginning of the year, we had a different administration, right? So maybe now is the time for you to make that adjustment over the next 12 months you know, or so. Well, um, now, you know, now is a great time and a great way to leverage that board of advisors is in the, the overall strategic planning process. We do a lot of that with our clients where we, we think about what is the long range plan and um, not only leveraging your management team, but that's a great thing to be bouncing off your board of advisors is here's what we're thinking. What, what angles do you have on, on our assumptions and our goals and our strategies? So wholeheartedly right. agree with you. Right. What um, just to kind of, you know, you know, cap it off, what, two or three things that would you like to leave our audience with? You know, um, I think the, 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 as it relates to the tax law, um, I come back to the, the, the side of don't let the tail wag the dog. Um, keep tax, uh, tax structure and tax issues absolutely in mind. They're very important. I'm not saying that they aren't. Um, and especially when it does come time to have a deal and do a transaction, 
The structure of the transaction has vastly um, important implications on the structure of the deal. So make sure that, that you are doing that due diligence work there. But in the broader picture, don't let the tail wag the dog. And then the other piece is really, I think, um, the importance of understanding how value grows in, in um, a company and what does that mean? Uh, how does a buyer look, look at it? I do um, our Finding True Value workshops, which we have some that are coming up soon. It's really, that's a six-month um, intensive in a small group environment where business owners get to explore this in a safe space as to what does it really mean to, to grow a valuable and sustainable business that meets their alternatives. So that would be the other thing that, that um, I could offer. And you can find out more about that on, on our website at ProvidenceHill.com. Providence, so P-R-O-V-E-N-A-N-C-E, Hill.com. Yes. Right. Yes. All right. Great. Well, that's, that's a wonderful. Thanks for sharing your insights and knowledge with us uh, today. Uh, Thank Mark. you. This was fun. I appreciated the conversation. Wonderful. And uh, just to wrap for this week, and uh, I invite our listeners to go to www.infhorizons.com or to Providence, uh, the Providence website um, to check out their workshops that Martha just mentioned. You can also join us for additional conversation on our Facebook page, the community page for Build Value by Choice. Um, so until next week, have a good one. Bye-bye.